This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Adam. How you going? <laughs> uh, good, thank you. I was just paying Thomas out for yawning pre-show as I was doing the intro. So it's nice that he's, he's got him, he's picked himself up off the floor, ready for a big show. Um, hey, Thomas, I've got some exciting news before we start. Uh, I'm about to launch a new podcast without you. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's called Buy, Hold, Sell. We might try and come up with a better title, but well, that's it for now. Uh, buy, Hold, Sell. Now, obviously, I'm neither an expert nor legally allowed to give stock predictions. So thankfully, each week, uh, I'm going to be joined by a different investing expert to hear their buy, hold and sell recommendations. So if that sounds like something that you're into, something you'd like to hear, uh, the first episode drops Monday, the 31st of October and you'll find it over on the Equity Mates Investing Podcast feed. Generally good life advice, Thomas, to subscribe to Bryce and Alec anyway, but now you have even more reason. And we're going to be kicking it off with my first guest, which is Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Um, those that were at FinFest last year might remember Adam and I doing a live buy, hold, sell session, which was, Thomas, you'll remember, standing room only for that one. Mm, mm. It was packed. It was very funny. I'm not going to say who has the greatest staff power. Let's just say everyone was there to see Adam and leave it at that. <laughs> so yeah, subscribe to the Equity Mates Investing Podcast uh, feed now and I look forward to bringing you a different kind of buy, hold, sell show on Monday the 31st of October. But Thomas, CVE is where we're at today. Massive show coming up as always. Uh, Walmart or, uh, are tracking their customers so they can sell them more drugs. It's okay. They're good drugs. Popular online gaming platform Roblox is set to end remote work. You'll now need to drive your kids to the office if they want to play. Uh, and thanks to AI, Channel 7 will know what you want to watch before you do. Spoiler alert, it's sunrise. <laughs> Even AI loves Koshi. <laughs> Oh, no, he's gone. It's Shervo now. Uh, but first, Thomas, Jamie Dimon rang the bell on Wall Street this week. Mm. The alarm bell, that is. Oh. What's going on with Jamie? Yeah, good. Jamie Dimon, I think, is the pronunciation of that one, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Really? I'm going with Dimon. Uh, okay, yeah. Mm. Email us in at CVE. Some, some, some. <laughs> 
this is that punchy, punchy opener I was hoping we were, as you were yawning pre-show, I thought, no, no, he'll be right. And here we are. I've led you in. I think it's Dimon. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's call him Jamie. Yeah, Jamie, yeah. The important thing is he's talking danger. Yeah. I mean, it's this thing, like I've read that name a, a thousand times. So this is the CEO of JP Morgan. So the most famous, biggest investment banker in the world. Hmm. No idea how to pronounce his name, but I've read it a thousand times. JP Morgan, CEO, he's out saying this is this may be the most dangerous time the world has seen in decades. There's always that word they sneak in there, isn't there? Might. The may. Yeah. This might mm. be. Got this huge headline, but I'm gonna throw in that caveat. It might mm, happen. Mm, mm. So okay, what what's what, <laughs> so what might happen? Well, I think I mean I think it's interesting. Like it's a good it's a good summation of the bear case at the moment and saying why it's not not nothing but good mm. times ahead. The big one is quantitative tightening. So you're saying that, that that has unclear consequences. So quantitative tightening, remember, is when the Fed sucks money mm. back out of the, the economy. I remember that everyone said the same thing about quantitative easing, but it might have yeah. unexpected consequences yeah. as well. So so now we're pulling that back. So that was a it was a bad thing. Well, well we it wasn't, know. I don't know. But now now we're tightening and we don't know if that's a good thing or not either. The numbers are ridiculous. So like they're pulling out sixty billion in treasuries and thirty five billion in mortgage backed securities every month. Sixty billion plus thirty five billion. So ninety five billion a month being sucked out. Right. They've now pulled a, a trillion dollars out of the economy. Wow. Yeah. So their their Fed's balance has gone from eight point four trillion down to seven point four trillion. So it's a pretty that's a pretty big wind down, but it's still got some some way to go. The reason why we don't the, the consequences are unclear because we've just never done this before. So we had quantitative easing during the GFC, and then we started quantitative tightening in the sort of the second half of the two thousand and tens. But then we just stopped in twenty nineteen. Right. Why? Why did we stop? We've finished. Uh, the the repo market seized up, ah. which wasn't a major issue, but just kind of the it just got clunky. What's the repo market? Like at the risk of digging too deep on this show, we don't like to go too deep. But what's the repo market? <laughs> I think it's where you re, you re, the resale of the uh, treasuries. Ah, government treasuries. Right. I was thinking there was like repossessions. People just started having their TVs taken away and stuff. No, yeah. So yeah. So like, not only is the Fed's like letting those those treasuries mature, they're not buying anymore. So you, whereas you had like a big buyer in the market during quantitative easing, that that buyer is now gone. Right. Okay. But the government's still issuing debt. So, so that, yeah, so it just changes the market dynamics quite a lot. And then that got wonky in 2019. Quantitative teasing was put on pause and then you got COVID and then we went back to QE. Right. So we've never, we've never successfully completed quantitative tightening. I mean, we've only had one crack at it before. <laughs> We're none from one. <laughs> none from one. Yeah. <laughs> And is it just is it just the quantitative tightening story that that we're worried about? Like, what are the other risks? Well, he he's worried about a few things. One is like he's also saying that 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 quantitative tightening is meeting capital tightening. So a lot of the central banks are sort of upping the reserve requirements on the banks because they want to avoid another SVB banking collapse mm. kind of thing. Because as the, as money gets tighter, that creates a few unintended consequences. And you and you had a couple of banks go bust the start of the year and that got a bit wobbly so the sort of regulators are tightening things up there as well so not only is the fed sucking money out of the economy the, the regulators are, are tightening things up as well which creates overall for a much tighter credit environment the fed and the regulators they're all the government aren't they or are they yes different? 
are they, are they working together on this? I guess it's my question. <laughs> I think so, yeah. but there, there are separate. They're separate or, organs, and they have. Mm. They would get together and meet mm. and talk about this stuff. But the Fed is like, I don't know that the the regulators wouldn't be changing their regulation based on where monetary policy at, is at in the cycle. No. And the Fed wouldn't be changing what monetary policy is doing based on what the regulators are doing. Mm. So they'd be watching each other, but. <laughs> Like separate, separate agendas. Just side shifty eyes across the room. Mm. <laughs> right. Okay. And anything else? But then there's a couple, a couple of other, yeah, a couple of other things. He's saying he's saying about higher rates. Saying like you know that he's still saying like they could go to seven percent. That's still a possibility. Mm. Jerome Powell was saying at, out last week. Shocked markets a little bit, saying that yeah, it looks like rates will need to stay higher for longer. We haven't killed inflation yet. Right. So put a pin in the balloon of hopes that. Rates will be on the way down soon. Mm. He's he said that long for a long time now, though higher for longer. He hasn't really changed tack on that. I think everyone was just like, yeah, but not, but not really though, Jerome, right? And he's like, mm, yeah, yeah, no, that's what we're saying still. Yeah, but come on, Jerome. Yeah, I know. Fed's <laughs> got to come out in a press conference and say, look, I just want to emphasise that I literally mean the words <laughs> that I said. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay yeah. right so yeah and then and then and then you got sort of politics is the other big factor so the other, I mean another thing with with quantitative tightening and rates going up mm. is that US debt becomes more expensive which creates sort of debt ceiling dramas mm. and then you've got geopolitics is seems particularly edgy right now mm. so yeah yeah okay so that's one ultimately there's one view right this is um mm. Jamie Diamond Dimon however you want to say mm. it. Do we care what he thinks? I mean, is he just, he's, just, he's just one man. Yeah, I mean, we care to the, I mean, to the extent like he's got a bird's eye view of the global economy, mm. JP Morgan are everywhere. They, would, they care a lot about what happens in every economy that they operate in, which is most of them, I'm guessing. He, he, would, have a, he would have that bird's eye view. And I think that is, and it, that is a pretty good summation of where the risks are right now. But at the same time, this is the press release to go along with the earnings result. And in a way, you could say, well, he's just managing expectations for shareholders. Uh, right. <laughs> Didn't do so, no crash hot. Yeah, but look, yeah. look at all of this. Uh, <laughs> you tell me, you name me one person who'd do well in this environment. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, it makes sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think that I think there's a bit of that. Like in six months, they're like, look, good news, we didn't lose all of your money. All right, Thomas, seems like everyone is talking about a Zempic at the moment. And there was an article, futurism.com, says that Walmart is spying on a Zempic customers. What, what's all this about? Yeah, so this is interesting. So Walmart, Walmart have a pharmacy arm as well, I think within the same store. So Walmart can track what customers who are buying Ozempic at their pharmacy then go on to spend in the grocery store. Right. And yeah. And so they're able to watch their yeah what they're spending. So it's not really spying. They've just got no. like a rewards card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're using it to check out and they're getting their Ozempic and then buying some some bread. Yeah, yeah. Or not yeah. bread, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't need the bread anymore. They are getting they are getting trolley boys to just sl- quietly slip a tracking device into the pockets <laughs> of customers as they go through the doors. <laughs> getting it out to the hard bit at the end. That's what they're struggling with. They to not look like pickpockets at the end as they try and retrieve the tracking devices from customers as they leave the store. Um what is Azempic, first of all? 
people that don't know. Yeah, so Zempic is, I think it is big news. I think this will, like, I feel like this has got the the capacity to go chat GPT AI kind of huge uh, in terms of where it shakes things up. So it's a, it was started as a diabetes drug. Zempic is a diabetes drug um, that had the side effect of uh, decreasing appetite. Yep. And then the company produced that went like, oh, that's a pretty nice little side effect. I'm just going to make that the point. And then they created WeGovy, which is- WeGovy. WeGovy. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I presume I'm saying that right. Mm. It sounds like a like a Chinese chat platform or something. Right? Yeah, it's a weird- Like WeChat sort of, we, but like for government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like MyGov. MyGov my gov and WeChat formed an <laughs> alliance. <laughs> And all government communications will be managed on the Chinese-owned WeGovy platform. But yeah, so WeGovy is just about – so whereas Ozempic is a, like still technically a diabetes drug, I think a lot of people are, are buying it just to lose weight. Right. Uh, WeGovy is just about suppressing appetite. Yeah, okay. But they do they do a very good job. So they've been in trials for quite a while now and mm. studies say that, yeah, people on WeGovy are losing 15 to 24% of their body weight wow. in, in trials. So, yeah, pretty. It's good if you want it to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's, yeah, like it's working. And and so that's what they're saying. Like it's pretty amazing. Ozempic and WeGovy are inject, injectables, but they're just launching a, a pill version. Ribolus uh, is coming right. on. So it's like they're saying like in, having, having a weekly injectable is a bit of a barrier to take up. But once it becomes a pill, then it's like on like Donkey <laughs> right. Kong. I, love, yeah. I just love the irony in all this that like when we were going through a global pandemic and scientists came out with a COVID vaccine so we think you should all have this everyone was like oh well you don't know what's in it <laughs> and now they're like hey we got this thing it'll help you lose five kilos um they're like really yeah just hook it to my veins get it in me yeah yeah <laughs> Once a week, sure. Like that COVID thing, that was three doses over nine months. This, yeah. <laughs> weekly, weekly injection. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Can contains microchips from Walmart to help with their <laughs> spying. But. They also sell data plans for the, for the uh, <laughs> chips that they're injecting into your arms. Yeah. So yeah, so so they so they so they're having a big having a big impact. Once I said, where is it? I think Morgan, yeah, Morgan Stanley surveyed three hundred Ozempic users and found that seventy seven percent of them are visiting fast food restaurants less oh, yeah, now that's that they're good. on the drug. So mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's what I was saying. Like the big the the frontline impact. Well, it has all these health benefits. So like Americans are notoriously overweight. And, but that's a develop, that's a developed world problem. That is, you know, that's Australia too, to, to just to a lesser extent. So the front line is is health. But then beyond that, you've got food. Like it has a big impact on food, and that's why like people are starting to ask Walmart, and then came up in Kellogg's earnings call the other day. People are asking, are you seeing impacts from WeGovy? From WeGovy, and are people buying less food? Right. Um, yeah, and he's saying like uh, the CEO John Ferner from Walmart saying we do see a slight pullback in the overall basket. Yeah. So he's saying that it's there. He's, he didn't he didn't put numbers on it, but he's saying it is it is having an impact. But he probably doesn't care because they're also selling a Zempic, so they're like, yeah, the, the profit margin yeah. on a Zempic is way better than milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think I think fast food has some pretty high margins. Oh, fast food, yeah, true. But they're not selling fast. Food. Like, well, like twist, like twisties. Yeah, right. And packets of chips, like that's got to be pretty fat margins. I'd be guessing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, so Walmart's sitting pretty, but like there's so there's now a lot of short interest in fast food restaurants. Ah, yeah. So there's I think like 815 million been added to short positions in restaurant stocks over the past 30 days. Right. According to data from S3 Partners. I always thought that fast food was more a case of you enjoyed eating it. Like, rather than that you went there because you were hungry. Like, I mean, obviously you don't eat it when you're not hungry. But uh, mm. I always thought, like, the attraction of McDonald's and, and Ronald McDonald and every one of the characters, crazy characters you see in <laughs> McDonald's stores, yeah. that it was the kind of experience, the fun sort yeah. of, like, it was a treat to go and have fast food for dinner for the kids or whatever, yeah. that if I wasn't hu- as hungry that I'd stop going because it's still fun, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think this where this is potentially a game changer because it's not just an appetite suppressant. It seems to be a craving suppressant. So the Washington Post was reporting that um, it dampens the reward for addictive substances like nicotine, opioids, and alcohol. Holy moly. So, this thing's going to change the yeah, world. So- <laughs> <laughs> it's getting people off fast food. It's getting them off drugs. It's getting... This is, this is enormous. Yeah, yeah. So, if, so if you sort of like, and the, and craving is what drives a lot of consumption behavior, and a lot of what marketing you do is like to to trigger those craving things where you just you've just got to satisfy that urge. I think ah, oh, like you know, you, you just have that thought. You get a little bit hungry. Suddenly, the thoughts in your mind that you're going to go to McDonald's. All the images you come back from advertising of happy people in McDonald's having fun, and then you, th- then you've got a craving, right. and you need to you know act on that craving, and you go to McDonald's. Mm. If if you short circuit that craving impulse, mm. then suddenly like oh, I'm hungry, oh, mm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make a salad, yeah, or something. So <laughs> I won't have heroin and McDonald's. I'll go and have a salad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, why don't we uh, pause there, we'll grab a break, hear a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. And don't forget that uh, my new Buy, Hold, Sell podcast uh, launches October 31. You can get it over on the Equity Mates Investing Podcast feed. I'd love it if you tuned in and then told me what you thought about it. Uh, see if you like it or not. Uh, but Thomas, Roblox this week has is another big tech company uh, that wants people back in the office. What's going on? Yeah, uh, literally that. Um, there's the, it's now so transitioning away from remote work mm. at Roblox. Um, and employees can either work the firm's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in office schedule, or they can leave, take a severance package. They've got till January 16 next year to decide. Right. So, so it's not full time back at work. It's just they're saying three days a week in the office. If you don't like it, there's the door, or you got to build your own door and find your way out. <laughs> <laughs> there's the end call button. <laughs> Roblox were famously they were all in on remote work, weren't they? They were, they were one of the yeah big- even as, yeah even as late as May twenty twenty two May last year because I mean yeah they were saying they were they were going primarily remote work that was the so like in office was an option but they they were positioning themselves as a primarily remote uh, company and there's like yeah it just doesn't work out the th- thing is that they don't the virtual tech isn't long isn't good enough like it's not as engaging collaborative and productive as as being in the real space so it's like you met, for many of us this is the ceo david bazuki i think bazooka i think it is it's not bazooka it's bazooki bazooka all right whatever david yeah, he's saying for many of us, Zoom fatigue is real. A three-hour group review in person is much less exhausting than over video and brainstorming sessions are more fluid and creative. While I'm confident we'll get to a point where virtual workspaces are as engaging, collaborative and productive as physical spaces, we aren't there yet. Yeah, can I make a suggestion, uh, David, that three-hour review sessions, <laughs> whether live or virtual, pretty painful. <laughs> group review. Group review. Group oh, review. even worse. <laughs> Well, before we start, let's go around the room and everyone just tell us one thing about yourself. What's one of your, what's one of your interests? <laughs> Those kinds of sessions just kill me now. I mean, we, we record this podcast remotely. So mm. I, imagine if we got like another 60% performance hit from being in the same room for this. It would be, it'd be Hamish and Andy levels. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I get Zoom fatigue out of this call. Sure. I'll start, start checking my phone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think, I mean, I think why this is interesting is that Roblox is a company that, if, you know, it's like if Roblox can't make remote working work, like who can? Like Roblox is, you know, young, like full tech company. They're literally building a virtual world. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're pretty much, they're a company that makes the metaverse. So if they can't make online communities work, then, but then what does it say about that, about their company? If they're like, well, they're creating something that they're trying to say to people, young people, whoever, like you should come and spend more time in this world, in this platform, in our communities. Mm. But at the same time, we're saying as an organization, we can't, uh, we can't make it work remotely. We need everyone in the office. 
Is that kind of not really eating your own dog food then? You're kind of saying. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's it's what you're doing with it. Like if it's like just come for some fun and hang out and spend a bit of leisure time, maybe maybe the metaverse works for that. But for being productive and having real relationships. You're not, you're not getting all your friends together in Roblox for a three-hour <laughs> review session, are you? <laughs> hey, guys, I, I wrote a poem. Would you like to get together in Roblox and we can review it? Um, yeah, fair enough. So they're not alone, though, are they, Roblox? They're, no. I mean, the list is growing. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's almost the, the big tech companies that haven't pivoted back to in-office are kind of the exception to the rule now. So Airbnb, Adobe, and Lyft are still uh, remote-focused, but everywhere else it's like Amazon, Apple, Google, Twitter, Meta, Salesforce, Zoom, even Zoom. Everyone at Zoom goes, oh, we've got Zoom fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, to be to be fair, like we talk, all of them are moving to to hybrid arrangements. So Zoom's in, in office two days a week. So I think what what the the recognition is that you need at least some in person hours to build those relationships and get stuff happening, and some meetings are just going to work better in in office rather than virtually. Yeah, and in the case of in the case of Uber and Lyft, they want people travelling. They, they just want people in cars <laughs> going places. It helps their That's business. <laughs> so at, the, at a minimum, they want everyone who works for the company to have to make it into the city a couple of times a week at <laughs> least. As so they like fill their quiet days. All right, everyone in the office now has to go to the beach. <laughs> I go now to the beach to Westfield. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it's interesting, and I think it's interesting the way like. I feel like, you know, like you talk about um, Roblox is going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in office schedule. What's happening on those other days? Like maybe it's optional, but like, you, you know, you've got, you've got a, an office isn't modular. Like you've got a set amount of capacity. So you've got to have enough capacity for peak demand, which is probably Wednesday with 100% in office. But what happens when you've got like 20% in office on Monday or Friday? You know, like you just got a whole bunch of empty desks. I feel like that just creates this. No, well, you'd have it's like a team connecting day, so it's mandatory for the whole company for Tuesday, Wednesday, mm. Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah. And so then people, people on, dare I say, people on Monday and Fridays, are, they're actually just off doing work. Yeah, yeah. Um, not connecting. No, but I saw. I saw a moment from in terms of like real estate demand for commercial real estate because commercial real estate is ah, still right. in a bit of a funk, and it's still one of the fault lines that mm. people are worried about in the global economy. That might be where the next blow up happens. Right. And but then and then the big thing was like, well, work from home is going to kill that, and then more people coming back. But then it's like a lot of hybrid arrangements. But like, so Roblox would have entire would have floors of stuff available on Monday and Friday. Right, like, what do they do with that? Right, sublet it out to some other company that that has like Mondays and Fridays in the mm. office. That's what I reckon. Like, that's right. I don't know. Or does it does it cost? I don't know. Does it, I don't know. We well, no idea the economics of commercial real estate, but um, how much does it cost to not have people in there two days a week? Is it is it a lot less than renting it? Like, is you got to rent it for a year or whatever, five years? For a commercial, probably, if you don't use it a couple of days a week, is that a big deal? Probably not, but it's but it's expensive. Like if you're looking to cut costs, there's a there's a capacity there somehow. Yeah, maybe you just rent it out on Monday and Friday. You just rent out two or th- two or three floors of your building or something to a startup that just wants a day and a day a week or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Start up like land parties and get kids in there <laughs> playing Roblox. That's the <laughs> obvious. <laughs> 
the obvious use case. All right, Thomas, finally on the show, I hear TV is getting smarter. What's going on? Yeah, so Seven Networks announced a partnership with Databricks, which is a cloud and data and AI company now, obviously. Didn't used to be, but now it is apparently doing AI. Right. Seven's been sort of pushing with AI. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so they got Amazon Web Services involved and they've been in the Seven Plus, they've been the Seven Plus ecosystem, they've been smartening that up. Um, so mm. you got more dynamic, I'm quoting here, dynamic interface and real-time shelf ordering that serves most relevant content recommendations based on viewing behavior. <laughs> what are they talking about? I have no idea what I mean, they're it's, talking it's just, about. It's, it's an algorithm, right? Like if, okay, it's like if they were raising capital 10 years ago, they'd be like, we've got an algorithm. And it's like we, we gather data on what people watch and then we feed them suggestions. That's an algorithm. That's what social media is be- built on. Algorithms are now called AI because AI is sexy. So now they've got AI, which is just an algorithm feeding people recommendations. Right. But they're, but they're, but they're doing really well with it. They're, they're crushing it. So they're saying like 7 Plus or it's live streaming up 40% in the financial year just gone. Wow, that's big. Yeah, that's, that's a big increase. Yeah. And saying that, yeah, they've got viewers watching 48, a 48% increase in minutes watched. And the trending now has seen uh, viewer interaction jump th- three times. That's even with Shervo taking over from Koshi on Sunrise. I oh, know, right? Like, like talk, about head, talk about headwinds. <laughs> <laughs> still, Dancing with the Stars is still on, obviously. That's your, that's your moat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, th- so they've been doing that. And now, and, but now they've partnered with Databricks to sort of – but they're focusing now. So that was all viewer experience. They're now focusing on advertiser experience. Ah, okay. Yeah, and that's where Databricks is coming in. And they're saying that they're focusing on predicting viewership and they've got that to a level where seven days out, they can predict viewership with to an accuracy of ninety-one percent. So that's that's pretty impressive. It is, but it is it is. But then you, I don't know, if you think about the viewer profile of your average Channel Seven show, like like if I told you someone that watched Home and Away last week is going to watch Home and Away again next week, I reckon I could nail pretty much ninety percent accuracy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't expect you to be at all impressed. Yeah that i could tell you that so yeah yeah maybe that's right yeah i don't know how much variability there is in in viewership but because they've got a lot of cyclical shows you know like the regular ones that just go on and like home and away is now into its 400th year i think this year so they've got a predictable kind of catalog of shows a bit different to a netflix or something like once you watch a series on netflix you kind of go all right go looking for something else whereas maybe if you like sunrise if you like the news <laughs> yeah um, yeah but i don't know maybe not maybe i'm i'm under i'm underselling it maybe yeah i don't know but that's obviously good right you're mm. talking to advertisers and you're going we know what people are going to watch yeah i mean no this this was a press release written for advertisers so i'm guessing advertisers would be looking at 91 percent going like, oh, that's a pretty good number um yeah, but then phase two with with uh, with Databricks is that they're now they're going to break down that viewership by segment and demographic, so you can yeah find who's watching when, gives a more targeted ad experience. But then phase three, which is the one I thought was really interesting, is they're going to use AI to identify acceptance of ad load by audience segment and dynamically change the size of the ad breaks accordingly. All oh, right. But haven't they been? They've been doing this for years. I remember getting frustrated as a kid, watching movies on on free to air television, 
watching a movie and then the ad breaks would progressively get longer and longer as the movie was reaching its climactic ah, okay. conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think that's what, what they're talking about here is like individually. So like they would watch your, like they would profile you and your viewer behavior and then figure we reckon we can give Adam two minutes worth of ads before he gets so frustrated he turns off. So, whereas like they might go, oh, Thomas can only take 30 seconds. So, I get 30 seconds of ads, you get two minutes of ads. I reckon there's an opportunity here for someone to come up with like an anti-algorithm kind of fighting scheme Mm. where you, like if you invest, um, say, I don't know, a week with the 7 Plus app up Mm, front mm. where every time an ad comes on, you just turn your TV off. (laughs) Rage quit your TV. (laughs) Rage quit the TV. (laughs) If you can, like, just work out that if you do that for a week, then you can train Channel 7's algorithm to be like, oh, this guy really hates ads. (laughs) We've only got, like, 15 seconds with him. And then you get, like, ads for ages. And you've got to do that once a month. (laughs) I'm not saying it's the most seamless viewing experience as you have to rage quit your TV all week, once a month. (laughs) But no, you, 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 just, you just set up a bot to do it, right? Yeah, true, yeah. So someone will have to recognize when it's an ad and be like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully someone gets some data on that. Yeah, yeah. Need some AI to develop that kind of capability. <laughs> oh, you do. Think. This is the thing. And this is what's going to happen. We're just going to get – we're just going to start AI fights. We're going to – they're going to like – Channel 7 and others will build their AI and then we'll build our own AI, community-built AI, mm. um, to fight the Channel 7 AI <laughs> to, just, to try and avoid targeted ads that we probably enjoy now because they're showing us things we're interested in. And that's how the Terminator uh, Wars began. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I, I will say it once again. Don't forget, check out uh, Buy, Hold, Sell on Equity Mates uh, Investing Podcast, Monday, the 31st of October. Uh, we'd also love it if you left a rating and review for our little show, CBE. Uh, here that would mean a lot to us as well. But that is it for this week. Uh, until next week, it is bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.